Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com slash careers. That's opcpest.com slash careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis. And Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Dave Skull here. On a Friday, we talked uh, a little bit in the first hour about, uh, just look, the incongruity of watching uh, absolute nobodies, uh, young guys, getting NFL jobs over Hall of Famers with Super Bowl uh, rings and national championships and such. But it is the reality, a crushing reality, that one day someone younger than me will host this show. Uh, that's life. I am, I'm just hoping that we're not anywhere near that uh, at this point. I'd rather be a canalist than the, the Belichick of this discussion right now, uh, at least. It comes for us all. But that's at exactly least we can right. talk for longer than most people can play or coach things. Let's hope. Yeah. Let's hope. I mean, they still let Francesa on the air. Every, you know, he's. I I tell you what, if I ever fall asleep on the air like Francesa has, you guys put me down. Like, just it's over. Yeah, that's. My I mean, that's minor league stuff for Francesa. He he con- he will contradict himself three times in the span of a forty-five second segment. There's just nothing better than him when Stan Lee died, though. That like, was that incredible. is my all-time Stanley who. <laughs> No, you say it's Stanley. Oh, Stanley who? Who cares? That's what he <laughs> said. He finally, he finally, at the end, he finally understands who it is. Oh, Stan Lee. No, who cares? <laughs> oh, it's so good. We ought to just like, play oh that on Friday, Chase. I just sent that to you in the group uh, chat that we got going there. Yeah, I would love just to hear that. Just for fun, uh, it's, it's worth playing. Cleanse my palate. Oh, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, but you had mentioned we didn't get to it uh, previously, uh, that we did have a rather consequential night uh, in women's basketball. Yeah. Uh, with uh, a chance to at least tickle a little bit that uh, that petty, funny bone of ours uh, as bone. well. Uh, in, look, I'm going to always carve out a little bit of time when Kim Mulkey loses. So th- we were going to get this whether you brought it up or not, but you did, so our interests align in this regard. Uh, God is good. Kim Mulkey lost. <laughs> Whatever look- else you want to say is fine. She's a very unlikable person. Everybody knows how I feel about her. We have a very long history together. Um, don't really need to get that far into it. I don't like her. I don't think she's a very good person. Uh, she is, however, a very successful women's basketball coach. But on the other sideline is an eminently, eminently likable college basketball coach, in my opinion, the best in the country. I don't think it's particularly close right now i did enjoy her saying that the fans in that game were very nice to her in fact for a road environment it wasn't very difficult yeah. at all they kept calling her boo 
which was wonderful. That's awesome. Exactly how you handle that. I think I saw all of the women in the crowd that were calling her boo. You know, it's it's it was pretty incredible. Uh, but look, she's really likable at this point. And I look, I appreciate Kim Mulkey for one reason. I think she's a perfect villain. <laughs> Honestly, for, she is college basketballs. That's the backhandedest of compliments. She's women's college basketball. I, I respect it. Women's college basketballs, Corella Deville. You know, and and Gino was one of the. He was probably the the villain for years, and he kind of faded a little bit. And Kim Mulkey took that title over the last ten to twelve years, uh, and and I and I love that. We need that. I don't like her, but I love to hate her. You know, everybody does. Uh, and last night was a heavyweight battle, man. It was a great game. It really was. I mean, you had phenomenal players on both sides. Every single starter on both teams was in double digits. Part of that's out of necessity for LSU because they don't have a bench at this point. They've had they had some defections and some injuries, and they, they ran seven players out there last night, which was a big deal at the end of the game where South Carolina has a four- or five-person bench uh, and, and – had fresher legs at the end. They had players that weren't in foul trouble. Angel Reese ended up fouling out of the game with four minutes left. Uh, and that was, I think, the last the last blow. They had retaken the lead. They were up by two. And in South Carolina, was, uh, I think down the stretch it was 11-2 to two or 11-3 to three that they outscored them. I think 11-3. to three. And uh, that was really the death knell. You know, but watch Angel Reese like go up against Camila Cardoso. Uh, they kind of traded traded blows all night. Anissa Moro is a great a great four stretch three like it's or stretch four like she's just a just two incredible probably the two most talented starting fives that there are in in women's college basketball right now since UConn has had seventy eight thousand injuries. If they still had their full complement, I would say they would be in the top two. But last night was an incredible game. At the end. There's a little bit of something for everybody. Angel Reese gets her fifth foul, and then down the stretch. And right before that, really leading to that, Haley Van Lith had one of the most boneheaded turnovers I've ever seen in my life on the inbounds, which led directly to Angel Reese's fifth foul when she was trying to catch up and get, in, get back in transition. And then Haley hits a three um, to tie the game and um, – Tried to go back. Bree Hall hit two in a row. They were just killers. And Haley kind of tried to match her. That second one was was rushed. Was rushed. And at the end, uh, South Carolina prevails. They're 18-0. and They're the best team in the country, and it's not really close for me. But LSU was in it. I mean, they were in it until the end of the game. Uh, and they'll probably have uh, – the fact that nobody thinks that, that Kim Mulkey is maximizing this team, nobody does. The talent. And nobody thinks that Haley Van Lith has really fit perfectly in with that lineup. And they're still eighteen and three. So I wanted with to all ha- three of their losses to good teams. It's- I wanted to ask you: Do you think she's having fun down there, Haley? I don't know. I can't tell because look, she's making more money. You know, I'm sure she thought I'll step in. Me and Anissa Morrow are, are transferring into an already loaded team. You know, with Angel Reese and. and Flage and, and then you've got Williams who's come in and quite frankly last night Williams who's one of the best three-point shooters in the SEC went one for ten from the three-point line so LSU easily could have won that game last night but I'm sure she said you step in it's a ready-made championship and there's been some growing pains with Haley primarily playing the point uh, she's shooting the three better than she has at any point in her career but it, it does feel sometimes like she's out of place at the one she's not overly athletic she's quick but she's not quick enough um 
and sometimes I think she she's not sure how to play the point uh, with surrounded by that many other stars, you know. And it's it's been a, it's been a transition for her, but she's had nights where she's been really good, and she's had nights where she's been five of thirteen. Like last night, she had her moments, you know, but she also missed a lot of shots. Is it weird that sometimes I think? That Mikasa Robinson would fit better on that team than she does. I think that that's a that's a natural thought because she's an elite defender. She was so good running the point last year and pushing Haley off ball. Like it's a natural thought. Like, and she just doesn't give a damn. There's so many weapons on that team already that you don't need a scoring point guard. I'm just more like demeanor. Right. Right. But you really don't. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you just – style of play. You don't need a scoring point guard on that team. And she might be better off with the chemistry having a a pass-first, you know, table setter than somebody who sometimes hunts her own shot. But it's been it's been interesting to watch. They're, they're going to make noise. You know, like, I wouldn't be surprised if LSU's in the Final Four again this year. Uh, they have the talent. It's just a matter of who they run into and how that chemistry really, really jives down the stretch. But – I can't tell, like, is Angel Reese, like, she's, you know, they they show her, like, demonstrably, you know, uh, uh, encouraging Haley and telling her to get her shot and this and that, and I can't tell how much of it is real or if it's, you know what I'm saying, yeah. or are you are you acting for the, for the cameras? I just don't know. I don't know. It's like Duff protests too much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I've tried to figure out yeah. what's what down there, and, like, I – and somebody who really appreciates Angel Reese's game, I think she's a she's a hell of a player. Uh, but that that's been a it's been a fun team to kind of it's been a fun show to watch from afar. I'm not as like I, I have my feelings about the Haley situation. I'm not really that bitter. I like the chemistry on our team right now. Um, but it's kind of one of those situations where I don't know if she's having fun or not. She she'll say she is if she wins the title. You know, well, sure. I'm sure that that would be fun. That'd be enough, right? Uh, I did want to make a lot of money uh, very quickly. That game was the most watched thing on television last night. Uh, for the first time, uh, you've had a, a game draw those kinds of numbers and beat Celtics Heat last night uh, on on TNT by by twelve percent. Uh, so the rate uh, we've had. It's the second largest uh, rated women's basketball game all year. We had Iowa, Ohio mm-hmm. State. Uh, on NBC, but like the the ratings for these things continue to grow. It's one of the reasons that all of a sudden, and when we were talking about Louisville and the budget and Josh, yeah. like women's sports are several of them are beginning to grow to such a place that they are becoming revenue helpers. Yeah, if they're not revenue producing necessarily, they're they're blunting losses in places uh, all over the place, and I don't think that that trend is going to change anytime soon. No, it's great, and and. Women's basketball has had a renaissance over the last several years. Uh, it's been largely star driven, you know, and, and, but it's, it's, it's helped. Like you have the big names and it kind of draw up the rest of, of the teams. You know, uh, you might go, uh, Iowa goes to, uh, Minnesota and, you know, 5,000 people, Caitlin Clark, you know, and then maybe they come back the next game, you know, and that's been that way for the last four years. Uh, before that, you know, Aaliyah Boston in, in South Carolina, you know, same thing. Uh, Paige Beckers, you know, when she's been healthy over the last couple of years. Like, this has been a renaissance. And watching that that battle between Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese last year was huge. It was awesome to watch. And last night was similar. That was a heavyweight battle. All players, like all five starters on that court, are all-American-type players for both teams. And that's what we're contending with to get to the Final Four and win sure. a national title. You know, like, that's what we're contending with every single year because Don Staley – 
She reloads. I mean, yep. they were preseason number six this year, which is insanely low for her. <laughs> like, honestly, I don't know why anybody thought that would be the case. But they did lose three starters, I think, off of last year's team, including Aaliyah Boston. But they had uh, at least two pivotal players from that team come back three with Camila Cardosa. And they brought in uh, Pow Pow and a couple other big-time transfers. And Chloe Kitts has stepped up this year, you know, who was an elite recruit that we were in on. Like they're just they reload and she's a hell of a coach. She maximizes the talent she has on the court. Um, so of course they're eighteen and zero again. And I don't know who's going to beat them. I mean maybe they drop a game here here or there, but they're going to be. I mean they're going to be a force to get all the money you got on them to win the title again this year. They're the favorite for a good reason. Eighty-one fifty ninety-three nine. That's uh, the number if you would like to get in here. Thirty-eight, thirty-one, ninety-three nine for the uh, UPS jobs text line. If you want to hit us up that way, you're welcome to do so uh, as well. Would love uh, to hear from you uh, on whatever's on your heart set today. It's an open line Friday. You want that Francesa clip? So I did uh, briefly mention, it's just one of my favorites of all time. Same. Uh, Francesa being asked about Stanley, who is... Dave, tell people who Stan Lee actually is that he's being Stan asked Lee about. is the godfather of Marvel Comics. I mean, he, he was uh, with him, with Jack Kirby, they were a, a, a team that would create and draw the, the, uh, the different characters. So he was either the creator or co-creator of almost all of the major Marvel superheroes that you see. Spider-Man, X-Men, Fantastic Four, all of them. He was either the creator or the co-creator of all of them. All right, so a uh, caller into Mike Francesa's show on WFAN in New York asked him about uh, his thoughts on the, the passing away of Stan Lee, uh, and here's what he had to say about that. Eddie in Hoboken, what's up, Eddie? Hey, what's up, Mike? What's happening? Hey, Mike, Stan Lee died today. Did you ever meet the guy? What do you think of him? Stan Lee? Yeah, Stan Lee. You I don't know who he Stan is. Lee? don't know who he is, no. Jesus. Who is he? <laughs> who is he? Who is Stan Lee? He was one of the creators of Marvel Comics. Oh, who cares? I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not a comic book guy. Is that, what, is that who he is, Stan Lee? The he guy created who, Spider-Man. That was his. Oh, big created thing. Spider-Man. Sorry, I never was a comic book reader as a kid. I apologize. Never. <laughs> the, the, it's the way that it just erupts out of because when he ah, okay, ah, who cares? Ah, who cares? I died. I don't care. Ah, who cares? Who cares? God, <laughs> There's a couple other gems that he's had over the years with the uh that he literally like in the uh Francesa Twitter account that always like has Mike versus Mike, you know, where he's debating himself. Uh there's oh, sure. similar ones for Colin Coward, you know. Skip or, Bayless. Skip Bayless. Uh it's some of the best with him though, because he's always so just adamant on things. And the clips could be a day apart, they could be an hour apart. Francesa just talks. That's right. I, he doesn't do show prep at all. That's I'm, exactly right. That's for, that's for damn sure. But he has the ability to just talk and listen to himself talk for hours. He doesn't really need anybody to interrupt him, which is a gift in itself. Let's get Larry in here next. Larry, good to hear from you, buddy. Welcome into the drive on 9th What's up, my man? Hey, guys. I just just left Jim Patterson Stadium and turned the show uh, on and uh, heard you talking go. about women's basketball and Louisville um, athletics in general. I just want to, if I could, throw out uh, some good kudos to Dan McDonald and that staff over there at Jim Patterson Stadium. That man's been here for 17 years, done a great job, uh, never has left. He needs some facilities. I know Josh Hurd has got a lot on his mind right now, but uh, I just hope that uh, 
he recognizes Dan McDonald, like I said, what the job he's doing over there. Uh, we need to keep that guy sooner or later. I think he's going to bring home a World Series win for us. But uh, what I mainly called about uh, this is for you, Mr. Biscuit, um, I know we are really doing a great job in the portal, and we have for the last two years with Brom. Um, in your opinion, I'm going to hang up and listen, uh, which position do you think we've been proved the most for this year's portal and uh, give me an early prediction on wins next year. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Bye. There you got that. Yeah. No, I think uh, tight end is where we've improved the most right now. I think there's been improvements at several different position groups, and some of there there's been kind of a like for like replacement. You know, and I think that uh, that offensive line right now is I'm very uh, happy and intrigued with the additions. I'm just curious to see how it's gonna how it's going to uh, uh, shake out. And I, I can only tell you maybe who – I'm confident with who two or three of the starters are going to be. But that could even change, honestly. And we got to see where Renato Brown is, you know, when he gets back in here and, and where Lance Robinson fits in with everybody because uh, by all accounts he would have been probably seeing a lot of a lot of snaps last year yeah. if he'd been healthy. Um, but, yeah, at that point I'm not, I'm not entirely sure how to rank them. It, I want to see them in action together. But, I mean, I feel yeah. like it's got to be tight end, right? Yeah, I, I would 100% agree with you it is tight end. Uh, because your goal, in particular because of the starting point, mm -hmm. where I, I think those guys deserve credit for the fact that they were functional by the end of the year. By the end of the year, you know what they were? They were Jalen Withers playing center as a freshman. That's what they were as a redshirt freshman. That's what they were by the end of the year. They were fine, but no one was afraid of them. And it was an offense that had to run the ball like crazy and and could – and had they had more weapons at tight end, I think they could have been more dangerous uh, even as they morphed away from what we think of with Jeff and his offense uh, and stuff being a little bit more wide open. Uh, they, they needed that. And I think the, the return of Jamari Johnson for a, a second season mm -hmm. and the guys that they are bringing in, in the, via the transfer portal, with Skinner coming from Miami – and, Mark Redman. and Redman coming in from San Diego State and the signee, the four-star kid out of Ohio, Mesmer. Mesmer and Isaiah Cummings. Uh, and Isaiah Cummings, yeah. whatever, you know, to whatever extent he is a quote-unquote tight think, end. I think you can throw him in that mix, though, as that type of player. But like all, that is a significant upgrade yeah. uh, at that spot, uh, especially if Jamari Johnson makes kind of a year one to year two I thing agree. and gets himself in great shape like – he could still be the starter out of all those guys. Yeah. And in the spring, we won't see Redmond because he's not going to get here until he graduates later. Same so with we Thor won't, Griffith. We won't yeah. see him or Thor. That's why those two weren't on that release. Yeah. Uh, they came out about the players that are arriving mid-year. But that, to me, is 100%. That is the position where they did the most uh, good for themselves for next year's team. And I think you could add defensive line – Probably close second or, or second in terms of positions where they really added impact pieces. Now, Ashton Jalati is the most important, but he's coming back. I almost feel like we added him through the transfer portal. <laughs> yeah, in a sense. Yeah. Because like, everybody assumed he was an NFL, you know. Right. You know but like, he found money when he came but back. But for, for Louisville to add uh, via the portal, uh, I'm going to say Jordan Gerard, the, the defensive Jordan lineman Gerard, yeah. Yeah, from FIU that was going to go to Minnesota and, yep. and now uh, has ended up here to get him to uh, add 
high school kids like Xavier Porter, uh, who who's, I think is is really good. But to get your transfer guys like Tyler Barron, yeah. like Thor Griffith, Jordan, like those guys, that is edge. That's interior. Uh, Thor Griffith is one of those guys that I think will let them be diverse so he can be an interior guy in, in what will look like more four-man line-ish kinds of sets, but he could probably hold up just fine as an end in some three-man line-looking mm-hmm. sets and that sort of thing. Uh, and having him and, and Ashton as defensive ends uh, is very exciting to me. So I think defensive line is close. I love what they did there because of the different kinds of guys they brought in. Oh, I don't disagree. I think you're right. Um but it is a starting point thing, like you said. It, it, I just think of all the things that, the things that stopped us from maximizing our offense this year. And, and again, like I, I'm not picking on Jack. I think he was, he was, he was good for most of the year. But there were certain he limited us at times, you know. But I think he also would have been helped out by some active tight ends. Yeah, yeah, and and that's one of the things that really was a hole in this offense, you know, where when Jack was struggling and he needed to to calm down a little bit you know that tight end is an outlet in this offense usually you know and really a weapon like i man i was we talked i did this the from the pink seats podcast earlier this week with state of louisville and i just said man i'm not sure if we ever did the the tight end drag you know across the uh across the action you know on that route tree which if i because if i had seen it i probably would have passed out you know it, it's 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 one of those things that, that that's a a staple that I was expecting to see quite a bit this year. And I think that we've got the weapons that that's going to be unquestionably a, ma- a major part of this offense next year is the tight end. And you and I went through the schedule when it was uh, released and I said, first blush, I would say something like nine and three. Yeah. Which, that's where I lean. And I, but I think they are capable of winning all of them. Uh, and I think next year might look a lot like this year. But I think they'll be more explosive throwing the ball. I think that's about right. We were missing once uh, Jamari started getting dinged up a little bit, and I think the uh, the lack of a consistent number two uh, was was exposed in the second half of the season, uh, and they started getting really physical with us. Like you said, DBs were playing us physical, and, and the refs weren't really calling it, and we didn't have a we didn't have a counter. I think that's where Jacoby Brooks comes in next year, you know, where he's a bigger, more physical yeah. receiver. And Isaiah Cummings, too. Isaiah Cummings as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but guys that can get separation and they can create, they can make separation, they can battle at the at the line of scrimmage, you know. And, and Jacoby Brooks is that classic five-star physical and fast, you know, where he, he, can, he can battle you yeah. at the line of scrimmage, but then once he gets past you, he can burn you, you know. And that's – we need somebody that can release that ball and, and hit a – hit a 50 yard you know post route yeah look there aren't a lot of things that needed that need to change when you're coming off a 10 win season where you make the acc championship game but if we we identify tight end no question turnovers turnovers certainly yeah uh, and i think it's very rare to have a season where there's so few contested catches yeah i thought louisville did a great job getting open they were pretty sure-handed uh, I think that they accepted that they just weren't going to be an air it out kind of team and and fashioned a pretty acceptable passing attack given their limitations with Jack and then the receivers as they got kind of beat up. But even for what they seem to have settled on for what they wanted to be as a passing offense, there there just weren't enough 
one-on-ones where it was like, okay, no one's open on this play. I'm going to I'm gonna give my guy a shot at it. And yeah. look, uh, Chris Bell had a really nice one against well, NC State. So we went over that stat the other day, and Matt McGavick brought it up. Chris Bell had 10 contested catches this year. Nobody else on the team had more than three. Yeah. And I think that tells you everything because Chris Bell is the one guy we know is a physical receiver on this roster. And he made contested catches. But he also disappeared some this year, you know, when we needed him. Everybody did. This wasn't – it was a disease amongst them all, you know, where like early in the season it seemed like Kevin Coleman was going to be that guy. Yeah. Uh, but he had the drops, you know, at, at different points. A lot of guys had the drops. Uh, and then we thought maybe when Amari broke out, we're like, okay, you know, now it's time for Amari to, to really thrive in this offense. And then he didn't have a consistent year. And Chris Bell, when he broke out early, I think it was the Indiana game where he had 90 yards. It was one of those games early. Um I expected that he would start to emerge because he was a different style of receiver. You know, we had a lot of quick guys. Yeah. A little smaller in stature. Yeah. Guys that couldn't handle the physicality. A lot of the same note at receiver last year, for sure. Chris Bell was the other note. Yeah. He was the other guy. He was big, physical, could make those contested catches, could, could, if you're going to body him, he's going to body you right back. So you have to win those hand fights at the line of scrimmage. I mean, if they're not going to call it, which we experienced. I mean, the two games I like to highlight are Pittsburgh and the FSU ACC championship. When they're manhandling you and they don't call, you got to adjust. You have to have an audible. And the audible would have been tight ends and Chris Bell. You know, I feel like in a normal or a physical receiver in a normal year. And tight ends who just didn't dial it up this year. We didn't have pass-catching tight ends. Yeah. Not really. You know, we had guys that did a serviceable job. I think Kerensky did a good job rising to the occasion when he needed to. Uh, but a lot of dudes just weren't pass catchers. We're getting a lot of snaps. I'm not going to pick on any of them by name, but we know who played this year. And they just weren't they weren't threats. Let's get uh, Cody in here next before we take a break. Here, Cody, welcome into the drive on Thunderbolt. What's up, bud? Hey, what's up, guys? Happy Friday. What's up, hey, man? Hey, bud. Hey, so, Dave, uh, you're the trivia god, right? Oh, I, I, uh, d- What d- a question to ask somebody. Yeah, Put you I, on I, the horns of a dilemma, Dave, because he either was going to make you deny it or demigod. look like a real jerk and be like, yes, I am. Demigod, not God, no. <laughs> I am the trivia enthusiast, yes. Okay, so are you ready to have your mind blown? Because I'm going to give you a fact that I don't think you know. Ooh. Did you know that the owner, that the guy that created Chuck E. Cheese is also the creator of Atari? What? I thought I knew who the creator of Chuck E. Cheese was, but no, I, I did not know that. That's incredible. Yep, yep. I, I don't know the guy's name, uh, but yeah, yeah. No, I, I just figured I'd blow your guys' mind on a Friday. Uh, Do you know Chuck E. Cheese's whole name? Charles Wait, Cheese? Charles Entertainment Cheese. It's Entertainment. I'm pretty sure. Is it like ESPN? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Entertainment. That's an awesome factoid, though. What a, like what a yeah, legacy! Please. Atari and Chuck E. Cheese. I actually didn't know what the E stood for, so thank you, God. We learned we learned so much just now. It's ecstasy, actually. <laughs> Is it really? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's entertainment. No. Nolan Bushnell is an American businessman and an electrical engineer. He established Atari Incorporated and the Chuck E. Cheese Pizza Time Theater chain. That's He's so in the great. Video Game Hall of Fame and the Consumer Electronics Association Hall of Fame. But not in the Pizza Hall of Fame. Not. <laughs> not. <laughs> Shame. <right>. Shame. <laughs> did you know, uh, like, uh, hey, uh, did you know that uh, these ghost kitchens that came up during 
COVID. Oh, you absolutely. Know, where, like, yes. they, were, they were running a second restaurant out of, out of an existing restaurant. Existing restaurants, like, not you, telling anybody. Yeah, the point is, like, you would try, you would get on DoorDash or whatever, right. order food from a restaurant, and it was actually just the dude who was working at Chili's yeah. making that food. So in the Chili's kitchen, I ran into that at Chili's. It was just Chili's wings that they were selling under a different name. I was like, "What's this wings restaurant that I've never heard of before?" And it was like, it "Just they they were Man, selling it at Chili's kitchen." Chuck E. Cheese did that. They were trying to sell like gourmet quote unquote pizza, but they were just selling Chuck E. Cheese pizza under a different name As in the Ghost Kitchen. Quote unquote, yeah. Wow. So what you're saying is they they were still selling gourmet pizza. <laughs> That's right. Okay. <laughs> Bad. But, um, r- r- real quick, be- <laughs> uh, r- r- real quick before I head off, cause my, my dog is doing the zoomies around the house right now. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, did you guys ever, did you guys see that, that, uh, one Twitter account that, that put out like Josh Hurd sold his soul of integrity to get Kenny Payne. He needs to go. Uh, I'm like, that sounds like, like the kind of person you- I would have muted. I'm just going to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I, I just stumbled on it, and I'm, I'm like, I'm like, do y'all really just want the whole program to burn down? Like, did, did, did what, what? What is up with people just wanting to churn through athletic directors and then uh, not think about the ramifications of the other other uh, sports? I mean, I, I, I know That's that wild. our flagship program is is in the dirt right now, but I mean, my God, can we just give give him a chance to actually make his first? true legitimate basketball hire i mean we kind of all know he was bullied into the kenny Payne thing so uh yeah that that guy that that just kind of blew my mind and the fact that i saw so many likes on it i'm like to to any fan out there just like can we not try to churn through athletic directors i mean can we just not do that for once uh and just give the man a chance so yep uh that's all i got um i learned so much just now about pizza from you guys so i really (laughs) Appreciate that. I'm going to carry that into the weekend, 100. percent Appreciate it, Coach. Thank you, guys. See ya. All right, I, I want to respond to that. Yeah, I do too. But we'll 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 take a break and do that. Do you want me to do my read? Yeah, I was going to say, break? man, we tried to be smooth. Then you're like, we, screw it. I'm just no, going to ask you if gonna, I should do it. I was going to be smooth, and then I was like, man, I'm just going to ask you a direct question while we're on air, so everybody can see how the sausage is made. If you've been watching the NFL playoffs from the sidelines, there's still time to get to the game with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. New customers bet this Sunday's conference championship games with $150 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. FanDuel has so many ways for you to pick up a W. This weekend, you know me, I'm Parlay. We just changed my name from Biscuit to Parlay. I'm parlaying up the Biggest Lions. Parlay? Biggest Parlay. There okay. you go. Except it's just a two-team. Lions and Ravens. Uh, so if you want to follow my picks, go to FanDuel right now. Get started with $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Biscuit to join today. That's FanDuel.com slash Biscuit. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports pick partner of the NFL. 21 and over and present in Kentucky. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is... With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. 
To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Listening to the drive presented by Fitness Market right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now here's Mark Ennis and Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Dave Skull here on a Friday. We will do stump the gas bag. Chase is going to do his uh, uh, his first attempt at administering stump the gas bag at five. So we'll do that at 5. So you got some time if you want to just jump in here now uh, and be a civilian instead of uh, trying to take on uh, Dave or I. So we'll do that at 5. So remember that uh, we'll do that then. Uh, but if you got uh, anything on your mind now, we said that we, we an ode to uh, the old uh, Rush Limbaugh. There's an open line Friday. Whatever's on your mind, want to hear it. Uh, we got the uh, – Co- uh, Cody called in and asked for that. Uh, what did we make about uh, tweets like – that are cr- super critical of Josh, and he mentioned the one Mike Hughes uh, tweeted, which is uh, elevated in its rhetoric. Uh, I don't know about you. I don't. It's nonsense, by the way. Yeah, this, that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. Sorry. I, that's fine. I, I don't know very many people who at all look at this like that that was Josh's pick and that he's on the hook for it alone. And that he's like alone standing in the gap, stopping it from being over. Right. But there are some, and they sound ridiculous when they say things like that. But I also don't think that you just wash his hands completely of it. That's the thing. Is that it's somewhere in the middle where, yeah, I think there were a lot of factors as to why Kenny Payne's the head coach. I don't think it was just, we have their pick of the litter, you know. And Kenny Payne's the best candidate, bar none, for this job. We had extreme financial limitations last time around. We did. And a lot of people wanted Kenny Payne to be the coach. A lot of people. And it seemed to be the time for those people. He wasn't my head he wasn't my first pick. I was open. But I had a long list of people I wanted to interview before we settled on him. Didn't happen and once he was hired I said, All right, let's do this. But he wasn't my pick. I prefer to coach with, with, with experience, but I don't think this was Josh Hurd's decision alone. They did hire a search firm which I have my opinions on personally and he was an interim at the time oh uh, he was an interim sorry he was still the interim josh was the interim yes Yes. at this point he's fully empowered he's the ad yeah i was a little confused but yes josh was the interim and this this is going to be a different set of circumstances this time around and it's not me saying like i don't think you can just look at him and wash his hands of this hire at all like completely he has his hand in it he was the, the he he was one of the people that had final say. Now he's got his his he's got a job to do, and he better nail the next hire or he will wear both, in most people's minds. Yeah, I think that the, the, what this is doing right now for Josh is not sullying him in the sense like people are holding this against yeah. him, but what it is doing is, I think, totally eroding any room for error here. Like the margin for error yeah. with the next one 
it, that is the one place where I think Josh is going to have to pay for this part is that he, the next one can't be mid. It can't be. Like he can't even be a little better than this. Like it's got the next one has to nail it. And I'm somebody who gives him credit where he should get credit, which is he is doing a phenomenal job with the rest of the athletic department. Some people don't want to give him that credit because all they care about is getting rid of Kenny Payne. But there is an entire athletic department to run. And you can't just not give him credit for Jeff Brom. I'm sorry. That's not how it works. You, you just can't. You can't just take that off the table. Uh, Kenny Payne obviously was a terrible hire. I think more than one entity owns that at this point. And it, he's going to have his chance to, to, to make it right after this season at this point. But there were limitations last time around. There were. Like, and, and the limitations were factored into this, this, the, the search firm at the time, you know, you give them your parameters so they don't kick back like uh, Phil Jackson, you know, <laughs> like in, or Craig Popovich or something. Like it, it, it's, you give them your parameters when you have a search firm. Like this is the best person for the job with the parameters you gave me, you know, which wouldn't have been eight million a year or ten million a year, you know. Um, we aren't going to have as many limitations this time. And he better knock this one out of the park, which I think. He, when given an opportunity, I think he will. But a lot of people, everybody wants somebody to burn for this. That's usually that's a natural instinct for most people. Is when you see something, you want somebody to be held accountable. Like we talk about accountability all the time, and you want to see somebody burn for something this egregious, which this feels like one of the worst college basketball hires in power five history. Well, you know things. You're right about this. You know things have gone badly when it's like not only do I want this to be over, somebody needs to pay. Yeah. Right, like I want somebody, I want somebody's head too. Like on it's top not of, enough that you're going to fire right. him. You know, somebody's got to go. You know, I want retribution. Yeah, red's got a head's got a roll, period. And that's what you hear from from all these people with the they like the soldier soul of the devil rhetoric is just that's the kind of stuff just makes me all right. You're not a serious person. That's right. Let's just cast you aside. It was a bad hire. You know, and it it's the work. type of it's type of the, it's the type of hire that'll get people fired if it was solely your work. I think it was the work of many. And this time around, if he makes even a mid hire, he'll wear both. Like I said, right. and 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 I, it is the type. Of, if he makes a bad hire this time, it's the type of thing that gets you fired. But he is running a really tight ship everywhere else and doing a great job. And it sucks that this is the only thing that defines his era right now. But it's just how it is because it's our flagship program. For now. I mean, if football keeps killing it and basketball is in purgatory, it may change at some point. 81-50-93-9. That is uh, the number if you'd like to get in here. 38-31-1-93-9 for the UPS jobs text line. The other thing I would add to that before we get to the phones here is I also equally disagree with the idea that he's just like fiddling while Rome burns. Right, that he's just like sort of sitting back there. Josh is, and in the fact that he's not firing Kenny today means he doesn't care or he's complicit in all of this. Because fi firing Kenny, which is something I've said, they they would have been justified in doing so multiple times. Most recently, after the year zero, year one comments. Yeah. Uh, so it's not about me being opposed to that. I'm saying. That's only the beginning of fixing the problem. And so often what, I, what bothers me is, is you see people talk about that as if that just fixes everything. And it's really would just be the beginning. And I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying there's no value in it. If they did it today, I would understand. 
And and I would it would it would be the first step, but that's all it would be. It's nothing's getting solved this season. I agree. Although I still would have liked to see it happen after Kentucky. Sure, I understand. I think I think certain things. I think you stop the conversation, you change the conversation. You know, and that's that's the having the same thing happen over and over again, and having to talk about the same thing over and over again is part of what's eroding this this fan base. And then we're on the last nerve, you know, because we keep having to have the same conversations. If you fire him, you at least changed it, and we can move on. Now, albeit slowly, it probably wouldn't improve this season. Right. But you might get a few more fans in the in the in the stadium in the arena, a couple more. Yeah, you might. You might. But, but you that, at least, that doesn't fix it. And doesn't you're, fix and you're not it, saying that. I, you, I, it, it at least changes the conversation, changes the vibe around the program a little bit. Let's get to Jerry in here. Jerry, thanks for waiting, buddy. Welcome into the Driving Nothing the Boat. What's up? Hey, guys. Um, back to football. Um, you know, I had heard that the people were concerned that this year's football schedule is tougher than last year's. And I kind of disagreed. You have a couple minutes. I kind of broke them down game by game. Go ahead. Go for it. Okay. Uh, okay, the 24 game Jacksonville State, yeah, that's better than the 23 Murray State, so there's one for 24. The 23 game at Indiana, well, at Indianapolis, playing Indiana, over 24 Austin P. well, that's 23. Then we have seven games here, and again, I kind of got these, I didn't get them in order, but in uh, 23, we played at Atlanta, played Georgia Tech. Well, this year, we're playing Georgia Tech at home, so the 23 schedule was tougher. 24, yeah, okay, we're at Boston College this year. Last year we were Boston College at home, so 24 is tougher. 24 at Notre Dame rather than Notre Dame at home, yeah, agreed, 24. 24 at Kentucky rather than Kentucky at home, 24. 23, we're, we were at Miami and won, and this year we had Miami at home, so 23, Miami. Uh, 23, uh, we were at Pitt. Well, 24, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's here, so 23 better. 24, we're at Virginia rather than 23, Virginia here, so 24 is better. And then 23, I think Virginia Tech would be better than 24, Stanford, so that's one for 23. Now, these next two were pretty close to call, but I gave them both to 23. 23, we played Duke here at home, and we have SMU here at home. SMU, you know, it's a good ball club. They, they played well last year, but... I think Duke was better than SMU. And then my last one is kind of a, I'm sure this is pretty up in the air, but 23 we played at NC State. Tough game. Didn't play particularly well, but we won. Well, 24 at Clemson. Well, yeah, Clemson came on strong, but they're still, you know, they're, I don't think they're the Clemson of old. I'll give the nod to, 20, to the 23 NC State game. So with that all being said, it looks to me like we had seven tougher games in 23 and we have five tougher games in 24. So using that logic, if you want to call and again, these are my opinions, of course. I've seen all the games and went to most of them. Um, I Personally, I think this year's schedule is easier than last year's. So I'll get off there and let you guys comment. Have a good day. Appreciate that. I, look, I don't think that – I disagree that it's easier. I don't think that. Uh, but it's not a, like a categorical leap into like some – it's not dramatically harder. The only, like, I, I think that all of those positions were kind of defensible. The only difference that, or, or like quibble with, with a lot of that that I would have is 
just comparing where you played them, like I think Miami's going to be better next year, even if that game is here. But also, last year we had two or three, three true road games, period. Three. We had seven home games. This year, we've got Kentucky on the road, Clemson on the road, which we didn't play last year, Notre Dame on and the road. Notre Dame on the road. Those three road games are demonstrably harder than any road games we had last year. And Miami on the road was our hardest road game, right? Uh, Jacksonville State is better than Indiana. <laughs> okay. But we also start with, what, uh, five out of seven home games, and we end with four out of five road games. Like the, the, the construction of the schedule is also hard with Clemson and, and Kentucky on the road in the last three weeks, right? Uh, the construction of the schedule, I think it's it's not like it's in di- difficult. We both said that best-case scenario, we could go undefeated against this schedule. But it's harder than last year. We had seven home games last season, and all and, and Notre Dame was at home, Kentucky was at home. We didn't play Florida State or Clemson, which Clemson ended up finishing fifth or sixth in the ACC anyway. But we didn't have to play at Death Valley. We have to do that this year. It's pending. You know, I'm not a big believer in Dabo. It's pending. With, I don't think they're going to finish in the top four of the ACC next year. So that's to your point. But playing at Death Valley is still harder than playing at anywhere else we played last year. Yeah. And we play on the road at Notre Dame and on the road at Kentucky. I mean, those are harder games than we had this season. And I, I, uh, I don't want people to overlook the Jacksonville State game. They're better than Indiana. <laughs> they just are. Uh, and then the rest of our conference schedule, I think, is conference last year. But the top of it's harder. Don't play uh, Florida State again yeah. in the regular season, at least. And we don't have NC State for don't the first time since we joined the ACC, by the way, right. which is a big deal. And they should be really good yeah. next year. I think what makes this schedule harder is where we play the games and when. Yeah. The like road the closing games, kick on there the road. are more of them, and they're harder. Yeah. That's that's the biggest difference. And because I don't, I'm not disagreeing with the caller that I don't think the quality of the opponent, like if they were all neutral site games, I don't think necessarily the quality of the opponent is – much higher than last season, maybe a tick, but not much. Um, but the location and timing of the games, I think, makes this schedule harder to navigate than last year. I mean, last year set up really well for us. Lots of home games. The two neutral site games, you know, at, at, in Atlanta and Indianapolis, uh, that crescendo into Notre Dame as the sixth home game, yeah. the sixth game of the year. Built it up At for home. Yeah, I think that it all worked out really well for us, and it's going to be harder to start the season like that this year with Notre Dame in the fourth game on the road. I think the interesting thing will be, like, how do they use those first two games? Because now you get a very traditional college schedule like the first mm-hmm. couple of games as buy-ish kinds of games. Now, they'll have to earn it with Jacksonville State, but, like – Will they hit the ground running and like blow those teams out, or will yeah. it be, hey, let's work through things, knowing that there's ten games left to go? Which I think last year having to start really on the road, neutral site, but on the road in Atlanta in a conference game on a Friday night was a tough way to start the season last year. It was. Was it Friday night or was it? No, it was Saturday. It was Saturday. It was Saturday. It was Saturday. I thought it was it Friday, was, but no, I think it was a Friday. It was Friday. Yeah, yeah, it was Friday. I didn't make that up. Okay. Either way, that was a tough way to start the season as far as timing and everything and not being able to ease into the year with your bye games. Uh, that part of this year is more traditional and, and, and helps us. 11 Saturdays. Yeah, 11 Saturdays I think helps us. But again, harder, more road games and harder road games. 
And the timing of those road games. Finishing with four out of five on the road is tough. That's tough. That's tough. In October and November when you're finishing a long season, I think that makes it more difficult. I think the early bye week hurts a little bit too in that situation. We have two bye weeks. Well, everyone does. That's the oddity of like the August Saturday being there, uh, moving it backwards a week. Uh, Everyone's starting pretty much uh, week one being that August so that there are two bye weeks like that. This happens every once in a while. Uh, It does benefit hopefully everyone. Because without question, Dave, last year they the gas tank was empty at the very end of the season, and I, I'm hopeful that they'll be able to manage that a little better uh, this year. Just being year two, you know, under the whole roster, so being in year two under him, that they'll be able to manage the the energy and emotional energy level. Because even the wins, like they had to really hustle for that win against Virginia. You know, that sort of thing. It seemed like they had to work a lot harder for it at the end of the year than at the beginning. They did. I mean, Miami was a barn burner against a Miami team that had been kind of off and on. Yeah. You know, and we weren't, and they were playing with their backup quarterback, their former starting quarterback. But that's the other thing is that we got burned a few times by backup quarterbacks. And I don't know if that's a preparation issue. You know, if you're looking at, you're preparing for one guy and, and looking at film of one guy and it gets switched at the end, that can happen. You know, but it, it it was an interesting year last year, and I don't I expect there to be a few more games where we run away from people let's, with a big play capability. Let's do stuff the gas bag. Let's do, let's it! do this. So call in now eighty one fifty ninety three nine if you want to take on me or Dave. We will do stump the gas bag on the other side here on the drive on the Thunderbolt. Right back. <laughs> 